Hello, everyone, and welcome to One Control Report Podcast, episode 293. I'm Benjamin Yoder, and this week, you're not seeing my face. I'm hiding from the world. Privacy, you're not seeing me anymore. That's a lie. On Thursdays at 6 p.m. Pacific time, you can see my face on YouTube. Um, so if you missed last week, uh, uh, basically, I, I decided going forward, the podcast would not have a, a real video component. You can still find it on YouTube and things like that. But just as a heads up, if you missed it, and you're like, why is there no 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 Ben face talking at me? Again, just think the value was a little, a little too low for the extra headache that video brought in. But I talked all about that last week. Go back and listen to that if you want to hear about that. This week, we're talking about Video games. Although before we get into that, I do want to say, I, I, I unfortunately, man, I don't know like what exactly happened. I think a lot of things in in my personal life and work stuff that I need to do, and also like trying to launch the PCFX fan club channel. Like I felt like exhausted at the end of this week, unfortunately. So um, here I am. Um, as I mentioned, the PCFX fan club stuff is still coming along. I plan for that to launch at the end of this month here or before the end of this month here. Um, so please look forward to that. I'll definitely try to inform you guys as soon as possible. Um, but next week, I think is going to be kind of the the start putting everything in place and, and making final decisions on on published dates and things like that for that. So please look forward to that. Again, we're going to be doing a, I think I mentioned before, it's going to be like an episode zero, so it's not going to be anything, you know, too, too like, oh my gosh, revelation about the PCFX, but you know, it will definitely, you know, tell you what the direction and focus of that channel is going to end up being um, once we, we, we get there with that. So anyways, um, so that's happening. And one thing I did actually do, and this might also be part of why I'm a little tired, <laughs> is a friend of mine who who was a longtime first soldier companion for Final Fantasy VII First Soldier uh, suddenly showed interest in playing again <laughs> after the tournaments and stuff. So we we played, I think, three nights, if I recall correctly. I think it was like one the week before it shut, st- shut down, and then two more for the last two nights the game was online. And the, the first two sessions were definitely pretty dang quiet. Um, but the last night when we played, um, it was pretty busy. We went to the Japanese servers that time. Um, the Japanese servers were just a lot more competitive in general and generally had more population. Um, and I believe it sounds like the U.S. servers on that last night would maybe a little, you know, hectic in a way that honestly is probably kind of fun of everyone just j- jumping around and just having a good time where the Japanese servers were more like serious matches between each other kind of thing. Um, but we got to get into, I'd say probably about like six or seven final matches. So it was really good to be able to, you know, close that game out with some good matches. Because that, that, that was kind of the, the pr- problem, you know, playing that game after they announced that they were going to shut it down is that, you know, the population was either, you know, low beforehand or dropped off after after they announced it. And actually finding games that were like competitive games was really hard. And thankfully, Final Fantasy uh, the First Soldier has a lot of like things that really support you know, matches that are not deeply populated. So that's one of the great things about that game in a lot of ways is that it, it can support kind of low population matches because of how the game is structured and how progression is structured. And it can still be an interesting game, even if like you're largely encountering, encountering box, bots. But when it comes to the competitive play, that part of it was definitely um, um, challenging to to really, you know, get enthusiastic about. So, you know, after a, a, so many games of ma- mainly grinding through bots and things like that, 
unfortunately, I feel like it it, it really weighed me down, and I kind of had some some really low enthusiasm by the end of it. So was really happy that last night to finally play First Soldier and wrap it up. Interesting kind of thing is about like how the game wrapped up. So I think this is kind of standard in some ways, um, but if you're into like weird weird semantics with this stuff. So it seemed like at 11 p.m. was the, the shutdown time, Pacific time. And um, it seems like as long as you made a game before 11 p.m., uh, it would continue to to run the full game until until um, that, that, that game was over. And then after that, you couldn't queue up for a game. So if you queued up at 11, or 10.59, chances are you could have played a game, you know, until like 11.30 or something like that. Um, but when the match ended, if it ended after the servers were kind of like all done at 11 o'clock, um, instead of being taken to a victory screen or anything like that, the game basically would just go black for a second and then it would take you to the title screen. And if you pressed anything on the title screen, it just said the service for Final Fantasy VII First Soldier has ended kind of thing. So it was kind of interesting to see see that kind of thing. As someone, someone like me who I think gets kind of weirdly interested in like how things work on the back end I, it is kind of I like I wonder like when do the servers actually shut down right and like what what level of, of support do they have for those matches afterwards kind of thing and and why do they continue to run the way they do even if they're shutting stuff down and how long would they even run if for example you had a game that ran longer than 30 minutes which is not possible in first soldier um, it makes me think a lot back to like uh, if you remember back when Halo 2 shut down when the original Xbox Live uh, server shut down. There are people who stayed in a game for, I believe it was months, uh, maybe maybe even over a year. They they joined a game all together and stayed in there, and then realized the 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 game wasn't ending, um, and so they just all stayed in there. And eventually, people slowly, you know, things happen and their internet disconnects and things like that. And and then at some point, the last person or last two people were in there, and then they disconnected or whatever. I think I think if I recall correctly, Halo Two, you could sit in an empty room by yourself. So I think it was the last person. If you go back and look at that story, so. Um, but yeah, I think those kind of server shutdown things are kind of fascinating in their own way. So um, it's a shame to see it go. I definitely see a lot of people in the community being like private servers, but. <laughs> You know, if you know anything about like um um like mobile game preservation and like the server support for those things, like if you have any like random knowledge about that, I'd be happy to hear about it in, in the comments. Like anything that has like a private server setup or anything like that, because I I feel like I have not heard of any kind of mobile game having a private server or anything like that to to make it function. I feel like very few mobile games ever come back in a playable form that's not officially an officially supported form kind of thing so i could be wrong but yeah if, you, if you're aware of any examples i would i would i would love to hear that so um so yeah that was kind of the big thing and then uh there's a couple other smaller things been playing as well and we'll get into some of that in the uh and during the show as we go through here um but one thing i have not been playing really is soma bringer i've been trying to get back to it i haven't been um, however, one thing I did do is I was curious about what art assets were available for Soma Bringer Online. Um, I actually kind of like the look of the game. It's kind of really weird uh, look in some ways. I, my friend compared them to like Popeye characters or something with like these really, you know, thin limbs. And then also like these kind of like big, like, um, I guess you'd say, you know, 
like large hands and feet and things like that as well. So um, that's kind of what he compared to. And I think I, I can definitely see the comparison. Um, but, you know, it was from a time on the Internet where things were not like distributed in like super high quality. This is like 2008 or something like that. Um, but if you go to like a Nintendo Wiki or something like that, there's usually there's like a mix of pictures and weirdly enough like some random enemy in the game that's like a you know side villain has like one of the most highest quality scans out there um but a lot of other characters are are very um like you can only really find very small thumb size style art for them and uh the the original summer bringer website is still up but it was a flash website and they have a non-flash version um but it is all very kind of like baked in to the, um, the the page basically, so it's not like they have individual art assets. They kind of baked the entire you know flash page, took a screenshot, and then dropped it on a page and made it clickable kind of thing. So, um, actually finding like decent art assets for it was pretty tough. But I did see there was a Japanese game guide, um, and so I don't know what's in that game guide, but I did some searching and I couldn't find any scans of it really. So I decided to go ahead and pick it up um, because I was ordering something else also off Yahoo Auctions anyway. So I went ahead and ordered that. It's like thirty bucks I think or something. Like that so if somebody already scanned it i'm just not aware of it then you know not a huge deal kind of thing and there may be nothing in there i don't know what it looks like looks like on the inside some game guides have more art than others but in the case of like industrial spy operation espionage espionage when we got that um that had some unique art in it and things like that so i'm definitely leaning more towards destroying my books to get best the best scans i'm kind of doing this thing where i'm in between you know to the, the 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 worst uh aspect of both where i'm keeping the books bound but then at the same time i'm like pressing them down in the scanner hard enough that it's damaging the books so, like i'm having you know damaged books and not as great scans so so i'm like maybe i should just go ahead and 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 do 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 the duty of you know unbinding them uh, i forget exactly how you go about that i think some is like hey use a hair dryer to like melt the glue and other ones have like you know a threaded uh 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 binding on it so you need to like figure out how to deal with that kind of thing i'm not great with my hands i will say so that's my biggest fear is that i'll mess it up kind of thing but nothing i have is like a one-of-a-kind item or anything like that so at the end of the day while it's nice to keep them as books i am significantly more likely to look at them as scans than i am to look at the book itself and while that definitely makes it harder to store long term because you know it's not going to be bound anymore i'll have to find a way to like hold them or you know if they're just trash then they're just trash or something like that right but um you know i would i think generally would like to keep them i'll need to figure out how to go about that as well um too for that so and i also bought the um the, the soundtrack cd which is like a mail-in order uh cd i actually looked at my copy of Summer bringer um because i was curious what was in the manual because you know again i was looking for art and stuff and the manual does have art in it but those ds manuals are pretty small and they shove a bunch of characters on one page so you know even tinier from there um i probably should scan that manual at, at some point but I need to go and like figure out the scanning situation. I, I've had issues with the colors on my scans not being right, and I don't know how to deal with that, and I wish I knew. Um, but anyway, so I went ahead and, uh, and noticed there's like a soundtrack CD that you could have mailed in for, and I found one for like $3. So I was like, well, I already got a box there, so psh, send it off, and I'll, 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 I'll get that too. <laughs> so I don't know if there was ever like an official soundtrack release that was like a full soundtrack release for that game. I do not get the impression that there's a lot of things floating around for Soma Bringer. Um, I think Renoa had mentioned to me that Soma Bringer was fairly successful but I, I i don't remember what they what um she said so i don't i don't know for sure but anyways um yeah so 
uh, that stuff is coming in, and hopefully I can like get it scanned or something like that at uh, at some point here. But we'll <laughs> we'll 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 see. I've been kind of behind on my scannings and things like that, unfortunately. So. So, yeah, but yeah, um, and there's a few other small things that, that we'll kind of follow up in in a couple weeks. I'm trying to, like, not talk about games in tiny little pieces all the time and focus more on, like, having, you know, one larger conversation about it. So there's a couple things I want to talk about, but I don't really want to talk about in depth at this moment kind of thing, too. Um, last week we had no news, so um, I'm going to give you the one news story I found this week because I also found no news this week. <laughs> Um, and this one news story is actually quite a few weeks old at this point, but I figured if it's going to be matter on any podcast, it's going to be on our podcast. And that is uh, Mokuma's voice actor, Mokuma from Buddy Mission Bond. Um, he was added as a character. Well, not Mokuma himself, but the, the there's a character added to Fitness Boxing 2 called Leo. And the uh, voice actor is the same one who does uh, as uh, Mokuma's voice actor in Buddy Mission Bond, which is the old drunk guy kind of thing. So I was I was curious because I was I, I follow a lot of like Japanese Buddy Mission Bond fans, and I noticed that. And Korean as well, actually. I don't, I don't feel like I see that many, like, um, Taiwan or, 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 or Chinese Buddy Mission Bond fans out there. But I might just not be in the right uh, groups. But it, it, is, it is localized into traditional and simplified Chinese um, for that. If you, if, if you do know that, um, then, then you could play Buddy Mission Bond that way. Um, but the... Uh, but yeah, I saw the, the the fan base like making fan art of like Mokuma and fitness boxing and stuff like that. So I thought that was pretty cute. The voice actor I think is called Toshiyuki Morikawa, um, and uh, he he's I think a long time big voice actor. I think most of the voice actors in Buddy Mission Bond, or at least the four main ones, are fairly high profile voice actors. I was really surprised when I watched the Buddy Mission Bond uh, Blu-ray uh, stage show for them because it's mostly just like staring at them. And they are they are older fellows. <laughs> they're like, I think in their like mid to late fifties uh, at this point. So um, it's interesting to see like these these older guys voice like uh, these these very youthful, you know, twenty early twenty year old guys kind of thing. So, but uh, yeah, they do a good job, and I think they do a really good job with uh, with all their voice acting and stuff like that too. So, anyways. Um, you know, I, I just thought that was like a fun little thing. And given, given how little news there is this week for me, uh, I thought it would be the, 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 the right thing. The other thing, I didn't write this down, unfortunately, so I don't remember off the top of my head what it is, but, um, I believe sometime in the next half of this month, if you are in Japan, I believe there's like a Buccaneer event as well. We talked about Buccaneer a, a few podcasts ago. It's that, uh, boat game where you have a bunch of ca cats that are piloting your boat and you're like an anime guy or girl as your captain or whatever, and your boats have like giant hands, very Metal Max-ish in a lot of ways. Um, they're doing a, uh, a test event, apparently, and they're handing out um, uh, badges, the little like uh, tin badges or whatever they're called um, in Japan. So if you're in Akihabara, I believe, I forget which store it was, uh, you look into it. They're, they're doing that if you're interested in, do in checking that out. I don't know the day, but I believe it's in the second half of, of January at the very least. So I don't think you're missing it yet, but if you're interested in it, look it up. I'm not in Japan, unfortunately, and it will not be in Japan for that event. So I, if, if I was there, I think I would check it out. I think it'd be kind of a fun thing. The game comes out fairly soon, though. I think it's like in March or April, or it, it is in like the first half of this year, I'm pretty certain. So, so yeah. Anyways, that's pretty much it for the opening segment here. Again, if you are not aware, 
the Patreon corner has been been discontinued um, for now. Although I don't know if I mentioned it on last week's podcast because I think I hadn't made the decision yet at that point. But uh, all Patreon content that was made, you know, throughout 2022, and even some stuff that I made, you know, in late 2021 is like test stuff for Patreon. Um, all that content is freely available now. Um, if you go to the website, there is a Patreon post that basically has a complete index of everything I published. I tried to make sure everything was in there. Initially, I was only going to do certain types of content, but you know me, I like to make sure everything's available. So I tried to make all the text posts and everything available too. And, and, and I moved all that stuff over from Patreon to my website. Um, so if, if only for my own benefit of, Hey, if I want to look into this in the future and like understand the decision making I made, um, it's kind of nice to have that written article there and stuff like that. Right. Um, it, I don't like, sometimes I wonder like all like the backups and all the like, you know, making sure I've have everything kind of archived and stuff like that. If that's like a level of narcissism or something like that, but, um, especially doing the, um, the uh, article readings, I thought it was like a really valuable experience being able to reference that stuff again. And it just seemed like what my mindset was when I was talking about certain games and see how my opinion has changed. And, and I think it's made it easier for me to be sympathetic with other people who had, who had mindsets closer to what I had at the time and things like that. So I think it was really valuable in the end. You know, I mostly keep that stuff for myself. I think for the most part, I like being able to go and just see what I was thinking and what I was saying about a game. Um, I think that's part of why I like the podcast highlights right now is that it, it like kind of lets me go back and pull that stuff out of the podcast in a more more convenient way and be able to find it later as well. So I think it's, it's some somewhat self-serving with that. But anyway, so again, Patreon stuff dead. I have a Kofi open now with a completely customizable uh, donation plan. So if you want to do single donation for whatever amount of money you want to put in, you can do that. If you want to do a, uh, a monthly donation to me for whatever amount of money you want to do, you can do that too. Right now, there's not really any Kofi-specific plans, but I think there will be Kofi-specific co- content in the future. But for now, if you're going to donate any money, just know you're going to be donating it for you know supporting me over everything else. So, so yeah, again, appreciate everybody uh, who, who who takes the time to, to, to donate there and everything. It's, it, it is it is nice to be able to like have somebody say, oh, like your your work is worth like some level of money, <laughs> even if like in the context of like how many hours you put into it, right? It is like scraps and pennies and things like that. Right, but <laughs> but I do super appreciate it either way, and it is it is encouraging to see you know even if it's like you know just a, a couple bucks and be like oh cool thank you thank you for appreciating the stuff that I that I kill myself over sometimes so. <laughs> Um, anyway, so, but since we don't have a Patreon corner anymore, we're going to be talking to Jillian at Jillian's Corner. And by talking to Jillian, I mean not talking to her because she's not on the podcast. <laughs> but she has a question for us this week, which is, what are some what are some spinoff games you really appreciate? I love spinoff games. I think spinoff games are some of the most exciting entries in a lot of game series because they give those developers, those teams, and sometimes an entire franchise kind of room to spread their wings and try different new unique things and like kind of apply a lot of the 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 values and philosophies of a franchise 
onto different genres or different types of games. I think that's uh, spinoffs are great because of that. So I have a handful of games here. Um, I had kind of a, a little bit of trouble deciding on on like how far out a game needs to be to be a spinoff at times, but uh, but I think I have plenty of games here that I determined to, to be fitting that I that I um, uh, can go through. So I'm gonna try to keep a lot of these short. Some of them I might go in a bit more detail on, but some of these are gonna be fairly fairly brief i think so first one is gunvolt x um this is the copen specific gunvolt spinoff so uh, happened between gunvolt 2 and gunvolt 3 and it features a character from gunvolt 2 in it well he's in all the gunvolt games or at least the first two i assume he's in gunvolt 3 as well but anyway so that's the main the main game for him but i think the bigger thing that i like a lot about uh gunvolt x is the tone of the game a lot um i thought that the the kind of like uh i guess you'd call post-apocalyptic like uh orphanage setting was like an, a, a fun setting um it did make the game have like a bit more of a serious tone and i think a lot of the ending aspect of that game while while not really canon um i think uh was was one of my favorite things about where gunvolt story has gone i feel like a lot of times gunvolt story i i don't necessarily feel like um i'm super invested in where it's going plot wise but uh, Gunvolt X in specific, I think, was was a great um, uh, a great side story for that series. So still need to play X2. I had to remember, we, I was on stream last week and couldn't remember if I even owned the game, which is not a good sign. <laughs> but um, yeah, I went ahead and I, I do own it. So I do need to play it at some point. So, so yeah. Um, the other one is Metroid Prime Hunters for the Nintendo DS. I feel like we've talked about Metroid Prime Hunters pretty consistently over the last few years. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is the first time you're hearing about me talking about Metroid Prime Hunters. I, I'm not a big Metroid fan, but I do like Metroid Prime Hunters a lot. And what I like about Metroid Prime Hunters specifically is the bounty hunters in that game. I think um, they're really cool. And I think there's, there's kind of a, a fun feeling to like Samus being kind of like her, her, her what, what is it, typically an isolated world for her being kind of like invaded by like a, 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 you know, character who falls outside of, you know, the, the normal story means of, a, of the, the, the local solar system or whatever she's in. Right. And just kind of shows up because, you know, I have, I have a reason to be here, you know, for either money or, or, or whatever. Mostly, I mean, they're bounty hunters, right? Money for the most part, although Samus is a bounty hunter and she's weird about being a bounty hunter. She's not really a bounty hunter kind of thing. She's like a bounty hunter, but like a bounty hunter of justice maybe. So, but I really like the the feeling that like other characters are going around the solar system. I think, you know, Metroid Prime Hunters is not a great execution of that. I would love to see a game uh, revisit that concept. And I know Metroid Prime 3 has some of those elements in it. So I don't want to say too much, but um, I would love to see a focus on those kind of bounty hunters again in Metroid Prime Hunters. And and, and I, like, look, I'm a Weevil fan. So if you just want to bring Weevil back and shove him in a Metroid game, I'm all for that. So, so yeah. Um, my favorite Dragon Quest game is Dragon Quest Swords for the Nintendo Wii. And when I say favorite Dragon Quest game, that is not a favorite Dragon Quest spinoff game. That is, it is my favorite Dragon Quest game. Um, I think it's like a really cool, like, short, short and sweet 10 hours RPG. Um, it's really smart about how it uses the Wii remote. You know, this is pre-Wii Motion Plus era. So when you have a sword-based game on the Wii uh, in that era, things are kind of not very precise, you know. Red Steel failed not so much for the game, I think, but because of the controller in a lot of the ways. But um, 
you know, I think they really thought outside the box with how to make a sword controlling game control with that because because it is a combination of motion and IR functionality. And, and that IR functionality helps me make precision slashes in a way that a game like Red Steel couldn't do until they had Wii Motion Plus and things like that. So I think I think the developers of that game were very smart. And I, and I love the like short 10 hour story. I think the characters are really fun. And, you know, like, I don't want to say I'm a I'm not a Dragon Quest expert. I'm absolutely not a Dragon Quest expert. I've played like five Dragon Quest games my whole life. And like one of them was a mainline entry and the rest have all been spinoffs. So I don't want to say too much. But the, the impression I get of Dragon Quest is that it, it, it part of its beauty is its simplicity in a lot of ways. Um, and the simplicity of its storytelling as well as the simplicity of its combat and things like that too. And, and, and taking a game and boiling it down to this incredibly short 10-hour experience that I think really uh, makes that simplicity shine in a way that, that, um, that is really good. Where, where I feel like a game like Dragon Quest um, VIII or something like that you know, stretching that kind of game across 70 hours was really, it really burned me out. Maybe it's like specifically Dragon Quest VIII. I don't know enough about the Dragon Quest series again, but um, I, I, I continue to not want to play mainline Dragon Quest games almost exclusively because of my experience with Dragon Quest VIII. And when I look at those other Dragon Quest games, I don't feel like I see um, a, a, a change in, in those games that that jumps out to me uh dragon quest 10 is an ex is an exception for um a, a variety of reasons that we won't get into today but anyways um but yeah dragon quest swords love that game i would love to talk about dragon quest swords someday and i hope we will um kind of in that same vein final fantasy mystic quest i haven't talked about final fantasy mystic quest in a long time but same kind of deal of just like took a, a you know the, the final fantasy formula kind of boiled it down in a lot of ways but what's cool is that like they definitely like had an american market in mind or at least like a non-traditional japanese rpg playing market in mind and so you get kind of these action elements mixed into it kind of thing and it, it, it's pretty cool it's not the best final fantasy game for sure but like a lot of the ideas are very cool in it and there's like these very zelda style dungeons and you get tools that you can use around the dungeons and things like that i think that's 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 very fun in a way that i that i really enjoy and i i would really like to go back and revisit final fantasy mystic quest it's been you know well over a decade i think at this point i feel like probably my my article about that game i feel like that might be like a 2010 era article for me i could be wrong i wrote something about it at some point i don't remember i don't remember where but uh, if we do an article reading maybe that's a good 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 chance to go look at an article reading i imagine i did not say anything super uh uh, interesting about that game, but you know, anything from like pre 2015, I'm very skeptical that I had anything of interest to say, honestly. So, but you know, we all learn, we all grow. That's, that's how it goes when you do this kind of stuff. So, um, Fancy Star Online episode three is a hard one because technically it is a part of the Fancy Star Online episode series that are all kind of mainline Fancy Star Online games, I guess, depending on how you want to look at it. There are parts of Fancy Star Online, but Episode 3 is very clearly something different because it's a card game over being an action game. And I, and I really do enjoy... Um, you know, the, 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 the card game aspect of that game. It took, you know, a lot of aspects of Fancy Star Online and um, adding that to a card game, I think, 
gave me a lot of familiarity with the game in a way that made it more um, presentable to me personally. Now, the game does not have the greatest like budget. It clearly is built on top of, you know, the Dreamcast games engine and reusing as many assets as possible for the most part. There are some differences. Levels were definitely reworked and like visually got a, a facelift and there's new areas and things like that as well. So I don't want to like, you know, poo-poo it too much um, in that regard. But um, it did a really good job of taking like very, very little in terms of the assets that they had and making it really be spiced up in terms of, you know, uh, the presentation of the game with the camera angles, the swooping in cameras during attacks and things like that. And they took a lot of the elements of Fancy Star Online and um, adapted that into like an interesting card game format. As, as, as somebody who does not know card games very well, I will say I thought it was interesting. You know, I don't know if like it's, I don't know if it's based on the template of another card game or something like that. So I can't sit there and be like, oh, it's wholly unique kind of thing. And I think, I think most video games, it's hard to make the claim of it's a unique kind of thing, right? Um, I think it's an easy word for us to go to for a lot of those things. I, I like to use the word distinct a lot of the times because, because if something is distinct, it's because it, it, it stands out because it is a game that does a, a good job with that particular thing. And I think stands alone in that way. And while it may not stand alone as a card game, within the Fancy Star Online universe, and I think within the GameCube library library and things like that, it is it is a unique or distinct game in that regard. Um, Travis Strikes Again, No More Heroes, another great game that I like as a spinoff. Um, maybe my favorite playing No More Heroes game. No More Heroes 2 plays pretty good. I have not played No More Heroes 2 in a very long time, though. But I like Travis Strikes again a lot. I think the back half of the game is not as good, though, for sure. It really it really kind of, I think, is too long of a video game. And the last levels of the game aren't particularly interesting unless you care about, you know, um, the, the the various references it makes to other Suda51 games. Which, I think if you're playing a Suda51 game, honestly, or Grasshopper game, like, you are probably in for the references to some degree <laughs> if you're, like, you're picking up Travis Strikes again. But I, I, I like the fast place paced gameplay of it i like the light hit and the heavy hit system kind of thing um i thought it was really um really fun to just kind of move around and just like tear through enemies in that game and i thought the, the death glove system with the powers and things like that was a wonderful addition and i'm glad that got carried over to no more heroes 3 as well this is going long but we got three more left half-life blue shift this is an expansion pack i think made by gearbox if i recall correctly um, and, uh, it, it basically more or less, you know, reuses the, again, you uh, reuses the Half-Life, uh, engine and all that stuff. It's an expansion pack, right? It's, it's doing what it's going to do. Um, but I do love the idea of just like playing as one of the random cops in the game. And, and I, and I care if Blue Shift was the last expansion or the first one. I feel like it was maybe the last one. Cause I feel like maybe Opposing Force was the first one. Maybe that's the Gearbox one. I can't even remember, honestly. Maybe Blue Shits was Treyarch. I don't remember. I'm shutting up. I don't remember who made what. <laughs> but anyways, um, but I, I I like Blue Shift a lot because it is just like you're just going to play as like a, a police officer. And I guess in the same way of like the opposing forces, you're just going to play as a random other soldier, dude. And like it, it's really fascinating, like the the, the universe of Half-Life 1 and, and how it's portrayed throughout its expansions. And, and the fact that you're like you're a part of the military, you're a part of the, you know, the security forces, you're part of the, the scientific researcher teams. And I, I think having those different perspectives is is super cool and and while the games themselves 
you know, I don't know if they were that different. It's been a very, 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 very long time since I played Half-Life Blue Shift. I really always appreciated that part of the game. And I think different perspectives on the same story is something I still greatly appreciate today. And I feel like Half-Life was was one of the first games that I played that really did a great job of representing that um, in, in its own way, even if it's like sometimes just like, oh, there's you see like Gordon Freeman, you know, running running down the hallway. And then so when you turn the corner though, he like closes the door and is like, you know, the door's locked now kind of thing. Right. I think I think they're just like fun little cues with that kind of thing. So um, Valkyria Revolution. I guess it depends on what how you c- c- classify Val- Valkyria Revolution. It's like a like reboot spinoff kind of thing. But I really like the um, ideas that they took of the morale system of the main Valkyria Chronicles series and just like really, really honed in on that aspect of the game. I thought that was really cool. And also just like going out of their way to really kind of show war at every level of of you know not only like the 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 individual soldiers but all the way up to like you know the the global politics of the game unfortunately that makes it so a lot of characters like very faceless at times but i i think that was like a really really ambitious step that they did um also like having multiple groups of main characters with uh, in some ways like the main characters of the story kind of being different than the main characters that you play which i thought was like really cool as well so a lot of really fascinating ideas in valkyria revolution um, that I that I really enjoy, um, and it's, I think it's a shame we'll never see another game kind of within that style. But you know me, I kind of just want I kind of want you to make your one cool, neat game and then move on most of the time. So, and I can't complain too much about the Valkyrie Chronicles series. Like, like there has not been a Valkyrie Chronicles game since like 2018. So you know, I, I don't know if I'm like, oh man, I I I wish Valkyrie Chronicles you know wasn't like riffing on the same ideas so much. Like they they don't put out something very often at all and each of those Valkyrie Chronicles games I think are unique in a, in a lot of ways but they're definitely a lot more subtle in a way that like you wouldn't notice unless you played each of those I still haven't played Valkyrie Chronicles 3 so I can't complain about there not being a new game also there's the two shining games that Media Vision did on PSP that are built on that Valkyrie Chronicles engine as well I got lots of work to do when it comes to Valkyrie Chronicles still so Sega don't put out another video game in that series because I I'm busy I got other stuff I'm doing uh for that and the last game here is Peach Beach Splash um yeah that's the the center Kagura uh 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 third person shooter I thought that was a really cool spin-off series um and you kind of in some ways spawned off a generic series that uh Honey Parade Games did with like girls with water guns kind of thing but uh but the games are always interesting and Peach Beach Splash is like a really interesting game that that has a high momentum third person shooter aspect to it and it really plays into the water gun aspect there's definitely water gun games out there but I, th- I think that game in particular um definitely had a lot of fun with it in a lot of ways and the card system in the game is really cool as well where you can go and, and use your cards on the side so still haven't played mainline center kagura game don't know when or if i don't even own one so you know not really on the docket at the moment so (laughs) so yeah but anyways i felt like that was way longer i probably should have cut that list in half but here we are at the end of that thank you so much jillian for your jillian corner question we will continue to jillian's corner for now um if i make any changes where you can ask a question or if you if you want to ask a question feel free to reach out i'm sure jillian would not mind if i you know had occasional other corners <laughs> but um you know through the whole year of the patreon did not get receive another question but hey again feel free to, to drop me a question and maybe you'll make it on the show 
Um, but for now, uh, yeah, Jillian, Jillian is the, is the one person supporting me on Kofi. So she, she gets, she gets that, that honor to, to some degree, I think. Um, anyways, woo, that, that did go a, a bit longer than I thought it would. So, so I kind of want to wrap up the show somewhat soon, but, uh, there's a couple things I want to talk about here real quick. They're really kind of just things that I want to get out of the way because I've been meaning to talk about them for a while and they just kept getting pushed off. So I'm going to kind of go through these things real quick and there there are things related to the holidays. So so a little bit of holiday gaming here for you. Um Animal Crossing New Horizons. I played that. Um you're like that's weird that you went and did that Ben. It's been two and a half years literally. It's like I think it was two two years and eight months is what the people in the town said. But I ended up booting it up because uh I just kind of felt like I was like, "Hey, I don't really do anything for New Year's, really, and I, I kind of want to just see, like, what's going on in Animal Crossing land, so I, I boot up New Horizons, and I, I went there, and uh, and they had their little, like, you know, New Year's display that's at the uh, the town hall or whatever, but, um, you know, I, I imagine most of you guys have seen this before, you know, basically it's just a big countdown clock, and then fireworks go off, you know, when, when the New Year's happens, but the, the thing that kind of really stood out to me, and I, I don't know if this is true with all Animal Crossing games, if it's just the specific one or what, was there's a really cute attention to detail where um, kind of everybody in town congregate congregates around like midnight, um, and so like when 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 everything you know starts going up, you know almost the entire town is there to celebrate kind of thing. But but as things go on, there's like a two hour period where the fireworks are going off, and you can sit there and you can still do whatever. I think you can still buy like the the New Year's goods with get poppers and things like that. Everyone's you know swinging their little like light sticks and celebrating and stuff. And there's like a two year or two, two hour period afterwards where that's still going on. But like, as the time goes on, cause I was just sitting there this entire time, like people start to like the various villagers start to like kind of fade out of the, the, the area. They start like walking around elsewhere, going home. I don't know what. So like by the time it's like two o'clock, it's like actually pretty quiet. It's like, a, like only like a couple people left kind of thing. Um, went before they actually shut everything down, basically. Um, but I thought that was like a really cute attention to detail that they like, you know, I haven't been to like a New Year party in forever, but I feel like that is generally the feel of like a New Year party is like you get the congregation at like midnight, everyone is like, ah, yay, and there's like a, you know, hour period afterwards where people just kind of slowly fade out and just like slowly it gets quieter and quieter and there's still like, you know, things going on and things like that and all the party goods and everything are still there. Um, but, but yeah, so, so I just thought it was like a, a, a cute attention to detail and, and, um, I just thought it was kind of fun, but, um, it did actually made me kind of like go, Hey, I kind of want to play a little bit of animal crossing again. Um, but I don't know if like new horizons is where I want to play because, um, I have some frustrations with new horizon when it comes to the town building aspect and my town's kind of in like a weird state where I was like rebuilding it, but I didn't get quite finished because I kind of started to realize the limitations of rebuilding, rebuilding the town. And so I put all this time and effort into doing it and then couldn't really do what I wanted. And I just kind of lost enthusiasm, unfortunately, really hoping the new Animal Crossing um, is a lot more flexible with rebuilding your town. Uh, not that there wasn't a lot of flexibility in this game, but, you know, I wanted it to be completely flexible. Anyways, uh, that being said, um, but I, I was like, well... I have Animal Crossing Wild World on the DS, and this is a game that I hadn't played, uh, like, for, you know, I don't know how many years, over a decade, I'm sure, last time I put it in, um, but I always felt like Wild World was a game I never never spent a lot of time with, and um, I think I have a lot of thoughts on why that's the case, honestly, and I think we'll talk about that in the future, maybe, 
um, when I kind of wrap up my time with Wild World. Um, but yeah, I just kind of went back to that and, uh, and just started spending some time in that. It did present me with the question, the question that I have every single time I play Animal Crossing is like what quote, quote unquote, is like beating an Animal Crossing game because obviously the credits is like every Saturday when you go talk to KK Slider or something like that, right? Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't really know what that is for that game right now. And I feel like every game is different for me. I think the, the ever growing like money requirements of that, that franchise and the, the further push away of the focus on your house specifically has made me kind of change my rules from, you know, paying off your house to, to some other things. In the case of New Horizons, there's only, there's like a progression, all right? And so like by the time KK Slider showed up, I, I honestly kind of felt like, okay, I can kind of consider it beat, even though like, you know, I hadn't done like everything, but you know, playing Animal Crossing game year round or whatever is like a, a whole commitment that I'm, I think you guys know well enough, I'm, I'll never commit to something like that. So anyways, I had a good time and I'm still having a good time with Wild World and I think we'll talk about it again in the future. Um, but yeah, just like popping it on every day, you know, paying off my debt, fishing, collecting fossils, all that stuff. The Animal Crossing stuff that you do. I built on a new room to my house for the first time in a decade, and so I'm, like, decorating a room. It's been a while since I decorated an Animal Crossing room, and oh, boy, those those furniture, like, furniture placing uh, uh, elements in the old Animal Crossing games, very restrictive. <laughs> it's like, here's this thing that probably definitely should be on a counter, but uh, the, the game is not going to let you put it on a counter. <laughs> it's like, nope, this is not going to fit on here, sorry, um, where in later Animal Crossing games it definitely would have kind of thing, so... Anyways, that's it for my Animal Crossing moment here. And the last game I want to talk about, again, still on the holiday game track, and this is a game we actually streamed, is Bravo Music Christmas Edition, which is like a special side game in the uh, Mad Maestro slash Bravo Music uh, series. There's like four different discs that came out for uh, Mad Maestro slash Bravo Music. I think, I think one is the original game, there's like two uh, expansion discs, and then there's like one sequel i believe it is is what it is but um you know as you can probably guess by the name bravo music christmas edition <laughs> um this is a uh, uh uh version of the game that basically swaps out what would be classical music in the main game for uh you know classical christmas music instead and so it also kind of changes the graphics of the game as well and it, it is definitely like lower budget you're not getting like you know a bunch of different venues or anything like that like you do in the main game it's mostly takes place in front of the, like the music hall or the school or whatever and um you know christmas decorations kind of come up and down and then like you know depending on the song you're playing you know sometimes it's during the day sometimes during the night so different decorations at different times of day and things like that and then there's like there's like a final uh one that actually goes to the music hall which is like the final venue of the main game too that's also the case here and they just like threw some christmas trees in there um but you know what, what i think is really cool about this game is that the original game was about like finding musicians essentially to to participate because you're trying to like prevent this music music hall from uh um closing down so you're like going around and trying to find people who play music but one thing they never like touch on at least in the main story of that game is that the main character i forget his name like Ty Tycho or something like that i don't remember t some t man <laughs> he he uh has like these students that he has 
and and they don't ever talk in that main story. And so this story is actually focused on the students. So there's no additional musicians or anything like that. It's just the students themselves. And and so the storytelling is a bit different because it's about kind of like class dynamic stuff and preparing for the music festival and things like that. Pretty, you know, I think for for a a, a bonus Christmas disc, you know, a fairly reasonable story. And visually, it's actually uh, quite pretty cute because it actually has more of a it's like drawn art instead of like the 3D um, CG renders or whatever of the original game um but yeah basically it's just a story about a girl in their class who who needs to move and then you know throughout that story you find out like oh a boy has a crush on her so he's like all flustered about her moving and stuff like that but you're still trying to prepare for the christmas event kind of thing so um i i never went like super deep into the story to say like if there are multiple endings to the original game um but this this christmas game has seven different endings and, and i believe these endings are based on rank. I could be wrong, but I believe that it is. So like the ranks you get for each song kind of thing. Um, I don't know if there's any limitations based off difficulty or anything like that. I am really bad at Mad Maestro. Um, and so I play on easy and then even playing on easy, I get like C and B ranks. So I was able to get like the, 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 the first good ending on the list, but I never got any other ending. So, you know, if you want to go through and get all seven endings, that's apparently something you can do. Um, I did go look up the true ending and it seems more like maybe the additional endings are a little bit more iterative. So like the majority of my ending was in like the final true ending or whatever, but there were some changes and, and I, I believe some additional songs as well as like an additional concert you play on the best ending or whatever. But, um, you know, I, I, I am not good at the game, unfortunately. So I just kind of let it be, um, because you know, it, it is the same as the main game in terms of the challenges I had with it, where basically, um, if you don't know how Mad Maestro works, you know, the button presses on the controller, you have like the, you basically don't need to press any specific button. You just need to press one button and what matters is the pressure that you press that button. So it's a light, medium, or a heavy press kind of thing. So it's the same deal. And the, pr the problems I had with that were like pressing like normal to, to hard or medium to hard uh, is, is a little like... The, uh, on the PS2 controller, a face button's analog input is just a little too vague to really be able to reliably switch between them, especially in like faster songs or switching between, you know, light, you know, heavy to medium, like rapidly kind of thing. I'm, I'm just not particularly good. So I had the same kind of problems with that game. And there's also the problem where like, there's the angel slash devil meter and, and really all that matters for you passing a song is that the angel meter is, is, or the meter is at the angel level at the end of the song. So you can mess up the entire song and then just basically, you know, fulfill the last part of it and you probably would get there. I believe that's how it would work. But anyway, so it's the same kind of thing and the same problems I have with the original game, but as a side game or expansion bonus disc game, I didn't really expect it to, to fix any of that. I personally just wanted to have some good holiday Christmas fun and that a hundred percent I think delivered on that. It's like a good like 30, 40 minutes in length, which I think is like the perfect holiday game length of just like, here's a little cute Christmas event. You're going to play some Christmas music and kind of leave it at that. Now there are unlockables in this game. I don't know how many unlockables there are. Obviously there's the seven different endings. The main game also has unlockables and I really didn't look too deep into them, but it, it seems like there's stuff here, unlockable songs. And I think an unlockable character, at least in the Christmas one, um, that I think are probably, you know, if you want to really grind it out, and get the best ranks you know we'll, we'll give you at least something to do i don't know how good that content is or anything like that or how much it matters but um 
you know, I think both games have pretty decent legs if you want to really grind them if you want. But for me, they're just kind of short, fun games. And and I love, you know, the problems that come with it, with the pressure-sensitive controls uh, are, are difficult to deal with. But I, I, I do love the idea and I love when it works. And so being able to like sit down and just play Christmas music for like 30 to 40 minutes um, and, and, and that like kind of setting with that kind of like the button pressure kind of stuff, I think is really cool. And so, you know, if you are looking for like a fun Christmas game, I think it's a it's a really great way to to kind of celebrate the holidays. And and if you really want to go hard on it, you know, go and, and try to, you know, uh perfect the songs and get the different endings and, and unlock more songs and things like that too. So um I definitely would recommend it, especially like, you know, I feel like today live service games have kind of replaced the holiday game in a lot of ways. So having a game that's specifically a holiday game that's that's kind of just like there all the time and not have to worry about like what's the live service event this year. Is it anything even interesting kind of thing? You can at least look at this one and have a consistent, your yearly Bravo Music Christmas playthrough will be consistent. So I highly recommend it, uh, especially if you were like the original uh, Mad Maestro. It's like a great little bonus expansion pack. Anyways, that's it for this week. Thank you so much for coming. OneControlWorld.com is the website. Um, we're p- still playing through Final Fantasy uh, Chocobo Tales. Uh, last week, we also did a little bit of Final Fantasy 13 2 gambling. We'll talk about that at some point on the podcast, I'm sure. Um, so that was on the, the 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 stream last week. But this upcoming week, um, we're going to play playing more Chocobo Tales. I think we might be playing some Resident Evil 6 Mercenaries mode. I need some Resident Evil 6 gameplay anyways, probably for the Bayonetta, uh, not Bayonetta, my Bayonetta video for the Babylon's Fall video. So uh, it might be a good time to just go ahead and get that gameplay footage and then also be able to sit through that. Because I, I was thinking about Resident Evil 6 recently. A friend was showing me some gameplay. I'm like, oh man, Resident Evil 6 mercenary mode is like so cool. Like what a what an awesome like uh, game. And, and I, I haven't played that mercenaries mode and I'm going to be terrible at it, and I'm not going to make it look uh, as good as other people make it look, but I thought it'd be a fun little thing just to kind of explore that a little bit. Hopefully, I I guess I need to check to see if, like, you can even play the PS3 version online still. I don't know if they shut down the servers or anything like that, so that may not happen. (laughs) I may have other plans, (laughs) but, uh, but, well, that's the plan for now, at least. Chocobo Tales, for sure, though, we'll get, like, two hours of Chocobo Tales in at the very least. Um, and I think we have maybe around like two or three more streams of that game, depending on how it goes. I wonder if there's like any kind of like post game card combat stuff, because the card combat's what I care most about. And if I got to go through some like, you know, more harder battles, like a, a like a Coliseum tournament thing and just do those card battles, I think that'd be a good thing. Because the mini games, if you haven't seen on stream, mini games, I think are maybe my least favorite part of that game, unfortunately, despite as cool as the concept is as a game. But we'll talk about Chocobo Tales at, at some point in the future as well. But if you want to check in on the current progress on it, come at 6 p.m. Pacific time. I don't know if I said 7 earlier. It is now 6 p.m. Pacific time, and we stream until 9 p.m. Pacific time. So if you want to come, come check it out. Otherwise, check out the the VOD on the YouTube channel. It's unlisted, but you can find it in the full streams playlist on the One Control Port Plus channel and and all that fun stuff. So anyways, I hope you guys have a great week, and uh, yeah, that's going to be it. Bye!